Okay, good evening everyone. Bruchem Avoyim. Welcome everyone. Thank you for coming. I'd like to welcome all of our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight's Shear is being sponsored by Mr. Oren Shelley. The Navi tells us in Sefer Nechemia about when uh, Yerushalayim was being rebuilt, about those who contributed to building the first half of the wall. So Oren certainly is uh, among those who contributed in, in building the Shear when we were in our uh, incipient uh, stages, when uh, we were lucky if we got a minion here. So now we're up to the second half, but we won't forget how uh, in our beginning stages Oren was here every night, opening up, preparing, which he still does, and we thank him for all of his endeavors on behalf of the shul. Malay Hashem kol mishalis libcha letoiva. Hey, Parshas Chukas, the last couple of weeks we've uh, discussed various contemporary halachic issues, and uh, the most important thing about our share is you don't want to be predictable. You know, once somebody could pin you down and say, you know, this is what he's going to talk about this week, that's when you go out of business, right? So we don't want to be predictable, and therefore this evening we're going to uh, try a new approach and a new type of shear. The uh, Torah tells us in Parak Chav, Pasuk Chav Tes, The congregation saw that Aaron had passed away, and the entire Klal Yisrael cried for Aaron for 30 days. So the Kanani, the king of Arad, who dwelled in the south, heard about something. That the Bnei Yisrael were coming, the road of the Asarim. We'll have to translate, what does that mean? Derech Asarim. They fought against the Jewish people. They took captive, not an American car, a captive. Chevy, right? It means uh, a captive. Right? It doesn't mean an American car. Okay. So what does it mean exactly? The people saw that Aaron died, and they cried, and the Canaanim heard, and they attacked. What has one thing got to do with the other? Because Aaron died, why did that prompt the Canaanim to attack? So we're going to learn a Gemara. Every Jew needs to know this Gemara. The Gemara says in Tainus and Aftes that the Jewish people had three great leaders. Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron HaKohen, and Miriam Hanaviah. We also had three great gifts. The Be'er, the well in the Midbar, the Anan, the clouds, Uman, and the manna bread, the manna that came down from Shemaim. Again, we had three great leaders, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. We had three great gifts. We had the food, the manna that came down from heaven. We had the Anani HaKavod, we had the clouds of glory, and we had the Be'er Shal Miriam. Says the Gemara, in the merit of these three great leaders, we had these three gifts. The Gemara tells us, in the merit of Miriam, we had the bear, the bear, the well. In the merit of Aaron, we had Anani HaKavod. In the merit of Moshe, we had the man. Says the Gemara, if we had the bear, if we had the well in the merit of Miriam, so what happened? In this week's parsha, Miriam Hanaviah dies, and then what happens? Right? The, the people cried out, they had nothing to drink. They had nothing to drink. Why? Because since Miriam Hanaviah passed away, so they had nothing left to drink, and therefore, therefore they were thirsty. So in the Zechus of Miriam, they had the Be'er, but when Miriam died, they lost the Be'er. That's why the Pasuk says, Vatamas Miriam, Mayim Lo'eda. Says the Gemara, In the merit of Aaron and Moshe, the Be'er came back. The well came back. The Gemara continues, When Aaron HaKoyin died, what happened? The Anane HaKavot left. The clouds disappeared. How do I know? Says the Gemara, because the Pasuk says, Vayishma HaKnani, the Knani heard, and they attacked. Asked the Gemara, what did they hear? They heard that Aaron died, they heard the Anani HaKavod departed, and they figured that if the reason why God protected Kali says he didn't want us to attack, so now that the Anani HaKavod were no longer here, we have open, we have free reign, we could do whatever we want, we could attack Kali Yisrael. Says the Gemara, that is the meaning of the Pasuk. Vayiru kol ki gava aroin. It doesn't mean vayiru they saw. 
says the Gemara, Al Tikri Vayiru, don't read it, they saw Ella Vayirau, they were afraid. Ki Gava Aaron, it doesn't mean that Aaron died, it means because Aaron died. Vayiru Kalaida, the entire Klaiso were afraid. Why? Ki, because Aaron died. In other words, now that Aaron died, they were completely unprotected, unprotected from the elements. By the way, in the Midbar, you're in, you're in terrible heat. The sun is beating down on you. You can't even survive for one day in the Midbar without this protection. And in the Zuchus, in the merit of Aaron HaKoin, we had Anani HaKavod, Aaron HaKoin dies. The Anani HaKavod disappear. Says the Gemara, both the Anani HaKavod and the Be'er Shalmiriam both returned in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu. But when Moshe Rabbeinu died, we lost all three. We lost the Be'er, we lost the Anani HaKavod, and we lost, the, we lost the man. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk. The Akhid at Shloishes Haroim B'Yarech Echad. You lost all three leaders in one month. Gemara asked, what do you mean? We didn't lose all three leaders in one month. We know Moshe died in Adar, Aaron died in Av, and Miriam died in Nisan. So what do you mean we lost all three leaders in one month? Says the Gemara, in the merit of Moshe, all the three gifts returned. But when Moshe Beno died, they all left. So it was as if all three leaders were lost in one month, okay? So if you walk out of the shear with one piece of information, that we had three gifts in the Midbar, and they were in the merit of Moshe, Aaron, Umiriam, that in itself was a night, a night worth, uh, well spent, okay? Man in the schus of Moshe, Anani covered in the schus of Aaron, Be'er in the schus of Miriam. What we would like to discuss this evening is... Why specifically in the merit of Aaron did Klai Yisrael merit to have Anani HaKavu? What exactly did Aaron do that in his merit we were zocha to these protective clouds? They protected us. We read in uh, Sefer B'Sha'ah, in Parshish B'Sha'alach, how when B'nai Yisrael were coming out of Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim were shooting at us. Rashi says, Avnei Belisterois, projectile missiles, and they were absorbed by the Anani HaKavod. We understand in Sirah Shirim, we read Mizais Oilam in Amidbar, where the cloud, where the Goyim, where the Umais Oilam were nispoiled. They were in great astonishment that Klai Yisrael merited this special protection of Anani HaKavod. This was all in the merit of Aaron HaKayin. What exactly was it about Aaron HaKayin that because of him we merited the Anani HaKavod? Okay, let's try to understand the simple meaning of the Pasuk. If you look in Pasuk Aleph, Parakhof Aleph, Vayishma HaKnani Melech Arod Yoshev HaNegev Kiba Yisrael Derech HaAsarim The Kananim heard that the Bnei Yisrael were coming Derech HaAsarim What does that mean Derech HaAsarim? Which road is that? What is the Derech HaAsarim? Rashi says two explanations. The word Asarim, if you look carefully at the word, the root of the word is Tarim, spies. So Rashi in his first commentary says, the Kananim saw that Bnei Yisrael were traveling the route that the spies took when they went into Eretz Yisrael. Or, Rashi says, that the Bnei Yisrael were taking the route that the Aron led them in. So Rabbi Shuleib Diskin asks, who cares? What does that got to do with anything? What about the fact that the Bnei Yisrael were taking the route of the spies or the route of the Aron? Why did that trigger anything in the minds of the Kananim that now it's a time to attack? Says Rabbi Shuleib Diskin. If it were up to him, he would offer a completely different explanation. The word Asarim has a different root. It does not have the root Tarim, spies, but rather the root of the word Asarim is Asra. Right? Anybody who learned Shas would know what does the word Asra mean in Gemara? Asra means a place, uh, inhabited place. Says Rabbi Shuleib Diskin. So long as Aaron HaKoyin was alive and the Bnei Yisrael were traveling led by the Anani HaKavod, you know where they would travel? In the most deserted, uninhabitable areas. In the hottest, most dangerous areas. Why? Because with the protection of the Anani HaKavod, they had a cool breeze. The Anani HaKavod would flatten out any mountain. It would raise any, any uneven terrain. And it would make the road paved in front of him. This was one of the functions of the Anani HaKavod. So normally when Bnei Yisrael traveled in the Midbar, they took the most dangerous, crooked, desperate 
anybody who would travel that road would, would die very soon. But Klai Yisrael specifically took that road. Why not? This was what the Anani Akavah did for them. It paved the road. It was man mechagavoya umagbiya hashfalim. It raised the low places. It, it lowered the high places. And this was the normal road that Klai Yisrael took. And that was until Aaron Akayin died. But once Aaron Akayin died, now Klai Yisrael could no longer travel on those rocky terrain over the mountains and in the valleys. Now they had to travel only derech ha'asarim, only in inhabited places. So the Kananim say, what happened? Until now, B'nai Yisrael always traveled in these uh, rocky terrain. Why now all of a sudden they have to travel only in inhabited places, places where they could buy water, places where it's smooth? What happened? Oh, they don't have Ananiya Kavod anymore. Why don't they have the Ananiya Kavod? So they did an investigation. It must be Aaron HaKoyin died. Oh, Aaron HaKoyin died. We are now primed to attack. Says Rabbi Shua Leib Diskin, this is the meaning of the Pasuk. The Kananim heard that the Bnei Yisrael were now coming, Derech HaAsarim, the inhabited places, and they asked, why now? And they realized it's because of the death of Aaron HaKoyin. Okay. So we come to something most interesting. And that is Friday night, in the Zmiros of Friday night, by the way, just as an aside, at a Shabbos table, you're supposed to sing Zmiros. That's part of the, uh, the Shabbos experience, right? You don't just eat and talk. Sing Zmiros. One of the Zmiros we say Friday night is, Hame'acharim lotseis mina Shabbos umemaharim lotseis. Those who delay the exit of the Shabbos and those who swiftly accept it. What does that mean? That means there's a mitzvah called Tais Shabbos. Aside from Shabbos itself, we are commanded to add on to the Shabbos both before and after. Does anybody know how much time we're required to add on to the Shabbos? <coughs> Says the Mishnah a minimum of two minutes. Two minutes, okay? We're not talking about 18 minutes is for women. Women light 18 minutes before the Shkia. And if you want to wait 18 minutes, not Tavu Manoim. We are obligated to add two minutes onto Shabbos in the beginning of Shabbos, at the end of Shabbos. A minimum of two minutes. Why? Why? There are two possible explanations for the mitzvah of Tais Shabbos. By the way, very interesting. We say, Vishamru B'nai Yisrael Shabbos. B'nai Yisrael watches the Shabbos, right? And we like to consider ourselves Shoimrei Shabbos, right? We don't turn on the light. We don't drive on Shabbos. Technically speaking, that's not what it means to be a Shoimrei Shabbos. What does it mean, Vishamru B'nai Yisrael Shabbos? The Rishonim say, Vishamru is a Lashon of the Aviv Shamar Es Hadavar. Remember Yaakov Avinu, he hears about the dreams of Yosef. So what does the Pasuk say? The Aviv Shamar Es Hadavar. He was waiting eagerly in anticipation that these dreams come to fruition. The definition of Shemira is not not to do Malach. The definition of Shemira is to eagerly wait for something. So when we say we're a Shomer Shabbos, you know what that means? That means when we look at our watch and we realize it's Shabbos, if the Shabbos is what's schlepping us to the shul, we're not yet a Shomer Shabbos. Definition of Shomer Shabbos is you get to the shul before the Shabbos and you're waiting for the Shabbos. Definition of Shmirah Shabbos is to wait in eager anticipation of the Shabbos. Okay? That's just an interesting insight from the Rishon. In any event, we have a mitzvah of Tais Shabbos. If you were writing Zmiros, and you wanted to talk about the Tais Shabbos before a Shabbos, and the Tais Shabbos after Shabbos, which one would you write first? Obviously, you would first write, Memaharim Lavai, Umeacharim First, the Jewish people quickly, with great anticipation, they accept the Shabbos, and they delay its leaving. Why does the author of this Zimra, of this Zemer, why does he say it out of order? Okay. So now we have a Chakira. What is the reason why there's a mitzvah of Taisa Shabbos? Is the reason why there's a mitzvah of Taisa Shabbos because, look, everybody's watch is imperfect. Nobody can know precisely what time it is. So if we're going to keep Shabbos at the precise moment that it starts, we're bound to make a mistake, so we need to add on to the Shabbos just in case, even if we have an atomic navy clock, just in case, you know, it might be off by one split second, so you have to add on. Is that the reason? 
or and that reason is advanced by the Medrash. The Medrash says no human being knows precisely what time it is. You can have a timer to the billionth of the second. Yeah, but you're bound to make a mistake. Or is the reason for Taisva Shabbos because there's a separate mitzvah. Even if you know it's not Shabbos, you have a separate mitzvah to add on to the Shabbos. Says Rav Pinchas Mikaritz, Pinchas Karitzer, Pinchas Karitzer was Niftar in 1791. He was uh, one of the uh, early Hasidim. Actually, he befriended the Baal Shem Tov. And after he uh, developed a relationship with the Baal Shem Tov, he was, he was taken in. And uh, very soon after, he opened up his own shop in, uh, in his location. But in any event, Rav Pinchas Karitzer, who is known for his sharp vertlach, says the following. If you say that the reason for Taisa Shabbos is because you never know precisely what time it is, what would be if you knew exactly to the second when Shabbos started and ended? Would you then be required to add on to the Shabbos? You can make the case. Perhaps not. If the only reason for Taisa Shabbos is because maybe, maybe, maybe you're not getting the right moments. So maybe, if Lu Yitzor, theoretically, you knew exactly when Shabbos started, you wouldn't have to add on to the Shabbos. Was there ever a time in history that we knew exactly when the day ended and when the night began? Yeah, there was, actually. When was that? In the Midbar. How? Because we know that during the day we had the Amur Anan, the, the cloud, and during the night we had the Amur Eish. As soon as the night began, the cloud gave way to the fire. As soon as the morning began, the fire gave way to the cloud. This was even better than an atomic clock. So in the Midbar then, was there any need to have Tois Shabbos? No! And therefore, in the Midbar they didn't have Tois Shabbos Until that fateful day that Aaron HaKoyen passed away. And when Aaron HaKoyen passed away, what happened to the Anani HaKavod? Anani HaKavod left. So on that Shabbos that Aaron HaKoyen passed away, they didn't have Tois Shabbos in the beginning of Shabbos, but they had Tois Shabbos at the end of Shabbos. They didn't have Tois Shabbos in the beginning because they knew precisely when Shabbos began. But they had Tois Shabbos at the end because since the Anani HaKavod left, they didn't know when Shabbos ended. So the very first Tois Shabbos says, Rev Pinchas Karatzer began at the end of Shabbos. And then the next Shabbos, it started at the beginning. Hence, the author of the Zemer says, Hama'achrim Shabbos. The first Taisa Shabbos was at the end. And the next Taisa Shabbos was at the beginning. This vart is quoted in the Sefer Iturei Torah. And the author of the Sefer adds in parentheses, he doesn't know what the source is that Aaron HaKoyen died on Shabbos. Since when did Aaron die? Aaron didn't die on Shabbos. We don't have such a, tr- a tradition. We know Moshe died on Shabbos. David died on Shabbos. But just to have a nice vart in Kamakade Shavi, you know, you can't say that Aaron died on Shabbos. So although he'll accept the vart as Rapinchas Karatzer's vart, what is the makar for this idea that Aaron died on Shabbos? And the answer is, there is no source. That's because Rapinchas Karatzer never said this vart. I'll tell you how he said it. In Rabbi Warman Sefer, um, in the Oyrah Shabbos, he says the vart a little bit differently, and this is probably more correct. And that is, Aaron HaKoyin didn't die on Shabbos. Maybe he died on a Tuesday, but we don't have a tradition on Shabbos. But we know that in the Zchus of Moshe, the Anani HaKovet came back. Moshe died on Shabbos. The very first Tais for Shabbos was the Shabbos that Moshe Rabbeinu died. There was Tais for Shabbos at the end of that Shabbos, and then there was Tais for Shabbos at the beginning of the next Shabbos. So this question of the Iturei Torah, Probably not a question because Rapinchas Karatzer probably did not say the Vart in this vein. Okay. In any event, we move on. And we come to something absolutely fantastic. We know there, t- there are two ways of establishing the calendar. Nowadays, we don't really have a Sanhedrin. And to establish Rosh Chodesh, Edim are not going outside, seeing the new moon, and then running into the, to the court and saying, we saw the new moon, it's Rosh Chodesh, right? We don't do things like that anymore. How do we establish the calendar? Bizman Azeh, Alpi Cheshbon. Hillel II, many years, many thousand, right? 2,000 years ago, established the calendar for all time until the year 6,000. That's called 
Now the question is, what is the primary way of establishing the calendar? What's the best way to do it? Is the best way to do it the way we do it today? Or we would perhaps say the best way to do it is the way they used to do it when the Beis HaMikdosh stood and we had a Sanhedrin and the way we do it today is only because we don't have a better option. Rabbeinu Chananel, one of the Rishonim, who is quoted in Rabbeinu Bechaye in Parshas Bay, says something absolutely astounding. And that is, the primary way to establish the months is based on a calculation. By the way, the Rambam disagrees. And the Rambam writes that Rabbi Nuchanano was forced to say this because of certain pressures of the Karayim and other heretical sects in Judaism. But in any event, this is what Rabbi Nuchanano says. Rabbi Nuchanano says the main way to establish the calendar is based on Cheshben, calculation. Where did Rabbi Nuchanano get this from? Says Rabbi Nuchanano. Because when Kla Yisrael was in the Midbar, they couldn't see the moon. Why couldn't they see the moon? Because the Anani HaKavod were blocking. The Anani HaKavod were so thick and heavy and protective. The Jew could, at Matzah Shabbos, they would announce, Kiddush Levana. They would look up in the sky, they don't see anything. There was no moon. There was no moon at all. Says Rabbeinu Chananel, the Jewish people in the Midbar never saw the moon, never saw the sun. So then how did they know when Yom Tif was? Says Rabbeinu Chananel, the same way we know when Yom Tif is. Moshe Rabbeinu, sat down with his pen and paper and made calculations when Rosh Chayda should come out and when the Yom Tov should come out. Hence, says Rabbi Nechanan, the primary way of establishing the calendar is Alpi Cheshbon. So maybe you'll say, what do you mean? Maybe the Anani HaKavai, they, they left for a few seconds, they gave the Jews a chance to see what the moon looks like. Says Rabbi Nechanan, quoting the Pasuk and Sefer Nechemia, No, Anani HaKavai did not leave even for one moment. Says the Pasuk in Nechemia, the Anani HaKavit did not leave during the day. And therefore, says Rabbi Nechananel, if the Jews never saw the Levana, how did they make Rosh Chodesh? Says Rabbi Yonis and Ayvashet, now I understand the Chazal. Chazal say that when they appointed Yoshua Benun to be the new leader of Klal Yisrael, it says, the Kenim Shabadar Amru, the elder said, Pnei Moshe, the face of Moshe, Kepnei Chama, looked like the sun. Pnei Yehoshua, the face of Yehoshua, Kepnei Levana, looked like the moon. Ask Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz. Why only the Zakenim said that? What nobody else commented on the way Moshe looked and on the way Yehoshua looked? Says Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz, no. No one else commented. You know why? Because no one else had any clue what the sun and the moon looked like. You know why? because they never saw it. But the Zakanim, who remembered 40 years earlier that there used to be something called the sun, there used to be something called the moon, in Mitzrayim, they were able to look at Moshe, Ha, Taka, he looks like the sun. Yoshua, he looks like the moon. That's why specifically Zakanim Shabadar Hayyayim. But the problem is, as of Yonason Ibishitz, this is untenable. How can we say that the Bnei Yisrael in the Midbar did not see the sun and the moon, but we know, the Gemara says in the Sechda Tainis, and Daf Lamed Amad Beis, Lai hayu yamim taivim li Yisrael, kechamisha se ba'av, ukiyayim akipur. The two happiest day on the calendars were the 15th day of the Av and Yom Kippur, right? So the Gemara says, Yom Kippur, I understand why Yom Kippur was such a happy day. You know why? Because it's a day when our sins are forgiven. But what was so great about the 15th day of Av? Says the Gemara, you know what was so great? Because when the Miraglim came back with their bad report on Tisha B'av, Hashem decreed that all 600,000 males between the age of 20 and 60 would not make it out of the Midbar. And every year on Tisha B'av, every male between the age of 20 and 60 went out into the desert with a shovel and dug their own grave. They lay down in the grave and in the morning a baskal, a heavenly voice, came out and cried out, Hibadlu hachayim in amesim. Let the living separate from the dead. Whereupon 15,000 Jews remained dead in their own graves that they dug. And the rest of Klai Yisrael climbed out. And this happened for 40 years. The first year, 15,000 Jews died on Tisha B'av. The second year, another 15,000. The third year, another 15,000. The fourth year, another 15,000. 
until, says the Gemara, they got to the 40th year. Tisha B'Av, how many Jews are left? 15,000 Jews left. The 15,000 remaining Jews, they dig their own grave, knowing this is their last night. The morning comes, they hear the voice, they get out, and they say, hey, wait a second, why are we alive? We're supposed to die. So they say, you know what? We must have miscalculated. It must be we got the wrong date. Tisha B'Av must be tonight, the next night. So they did the same thing the next night. In the morning, you know? They realize they're still alive. They say, we, got, we must have messed up by two days. They did it again. They did it again, they did it again, until, says Toysus in Masech Tainus, they looked at the moon, they saw it was a full moon, and what does a full moon show? It's the 15th day of the month. They say, we can't be off by six days, it must be God rescinded on the Gzeira. So what's the obvious question? I asked Rabbi Yonis and Ibishit, Rabbeinu Hananel said that in the Midbar they did not see the Levana for 40 years. Says Rabbi Yonis and Ibishit, that's until the 40th year on Rosh Chodesh Av. Who died on Rosh Chodesh Av in the 40th year? Aaron Akoyen. Aaron Akoyen died nine days earlier. What happened when Aaron Akoyen died? Anani Akoyen left. Oh, Anani Yaakovit left. There was a one-month opening during the 40 years where they saw the moon. They were Makadosh Levana And that month was the only month that they were able to see the moon and they knew that, the, that it was the 15th day of the month. Says Rabbi Yannis and Ibishitz, Rabbi Nechanan is correct. For 40 years they didn't see the moon until Aaron HaKoyin died, Rosh Chodesh in the 40th year. That was their one opportunity to see the moon. By the way, just point out, this vart of Rabbi Yenis and Ibishitz does not work out with what Rabbi Pinchas Karatzer said. Rabbi Pinchas Karatzer said again, the Anani HaKavod departed and came back, <coughs> what? Came back the next Shabbos, right? Here we're saying the, the Anani HaKavod were out for 15 days, okay? So, what? Pasuk Nechemia. It's a kash on both of them, right? It's a kash on both of them. Right? <coughs> By the way, the classic in Nehemiah, it's a whole question, because the Vilna Gain says that at the Chedo Egel and Nanai Kovid went away. I the classic in Nehemiah, so the Chsam Soifer addresses that classic in the Drushes. Okay, we'll leave that aside. But this is the verse. What? Women, when the Jews sin with the Moabite woman, didn't they go outside the camp to do that? Or? <laughs> that's also, that's a big question. But for now, for now, we're just uh, bringing out some of the historical um, phenomena that occurred due to the death of Aaron HaKoyen. That Aaron HaKoyen and his merit, the Anani HaKovod, came to Klai Yisrael, but when he died, the Anani HaKovod disappeared, and that's how we understand the Gemara Masech Tainus, that in the 40th year they were able to tell that it was the midpoint of the month, because the Anani HaKovod had departed at that time. Okay. By the way, with this Rabbeinu Hananel, we could explain another very fascinating Nuance in the Chumash. That is, there's a Yushalmi. If you notice, Merz Hashem, when we get to Parshas Pinchas in a couple weeks, and it talks about the various karbanos that are brought on the Yom Tovim, every Yom Tov you bring a Seir Izin, a he goat, right? A goat. As what? For what? A carbon chatas. Now, if you look carefully in the Chumash, it says on Rosh Hashanah you bring Seir Izin, Lechatas. Yom Kippur, Seir Izin, Lechatas. Sukkis, Seiriz, and Lechatas. Pesach, Seiriz, and Lechatas. Shavuot, Seir, even. It does not say the word Chatas. Ask the Yushami, why does it not say the word Chatas? Says Yushami, because Klai Yisrael accepted the Torah on Shavuot. So every year as we accept the Torah on Shavuot, that is a great merit that God atones for our sins and it's considered like we never sinned. We don't need to bring a carbon Chatas. That's what the Yushami says. That the one Yom Tif we don't offer a Chatas, a Shavuos, because that's the day of Kabbalah Satayra. Very interesting. Because if you look in Parshas Emar, when it talks about all the Karbanas that are brought on the various Yom Tavim, Rosh Hashanah, Chatas. Yom Kippur, Chatas. Sukkis, Chatas. Pesach, Chatas. Shavuos, Chatas. Wait a second, I thought the Yushalmi said that in Parshas Pinchas we don't bring a chatas on Shavuos. It's not called a chatas because we don't sin 
not that we don't sin, that we're atoned for our sins because we accepted the Torah. So why in Pinchas does it not say Chatos by Shavuos? And in Emar it does say Chatos by Shavuos. And you can ask furthermore, what in the world is Yishalmi talking about? Because we accepted the Torah on Shavuos, it's considered like we don't have any sins? What does Shavuos got to do with Matan Torah? Shavuos is not the day we accepted the Torah, especially in the times of the Chumash. Right? We know the Gemara says, Shavuos could come out on Hey, on Vav, or Zion Sivan. Nowadays it only comes out on Vav, because the way the, cal- the calendar was fixed, Shavuos will only come out on Vav. But in the times of the, the Gemara and the Mishnah and the Chumash, Shavuos could come out Hey, Vav, or Zion, and Shavuos had absolutely nothing to do with the giving of the Torah. So what's the Yushalmi talking about? Because we accepted the Torah on Shavuos, Midairai, so we didn't accept the Torah on Shavuos. Biblically, Shavuos has nothing to do with the giving of the Torah. So Rabbi Warman, in his Sefer She'eris Yosef, Chelek Dalet, says a Ga'inistik Abshat. Listen to this. If we calculate the months based on Cheshbain, then Shavuos will always be Vav Sivan. Says the Gemara Menachais, what's the difference between the Karbanas that are mentioned in Pinchas and the Karbanas mentioned in Emar? Says the Gemara Menachais, Karbanas mentioned in Pinchas are the Karbanas that were brought in the Midbar. Karbanas mentioned in Emar are the Karbanas that are brought for all times. Ah, if the Karbanas in Pinchas are the ones offered in the Midbar, in the Midbar, Shavuos always came out on Vav Sivan. Why? Because Rabbi Nochananel says, in the Midbar they made the months Api Cheshvan. So in the Midbar, Shavuos always came out on Vav Sivan. That means Shavuos was always the day of the giving of the Torah. Hence, in, Seif, in Parshas Pinchas, it never doesn't say Chatos on Shavuos, because Shavuos is the day of the giving of the Torah. But when it comes to Parshas Emar, Parshas Emar is talking about the Karbanos that are brought for all generations. For all times, Shavuos has nothing to do with Matan Torah. It could come out, hey, it could come out Vav, it could come out Zion. That's why it does say Chatos by the Karbanos mentioned in Parshas Emar. Okay. One more item, one more item. And that is from Rabbi Nachem Zemba. Listen to this. If you look in Parshas Bahaloischa, <clears throat> Listen, we look in Parshas Bahaloischa, Parshas Bahaloischa talks about what Klai Yisrael did in the second year in the first month of the year, what did they do? What did they do? They brought the carbon Pesach. What does Parshas Bamidbar talk about? It talks about what Klai Yisrael did in the second month of the second year. So think about it. Bamidbar talks about the second month of the second year. The Haloyzcha talks about the first month of the second year. It's out of order. Why would Bamidbar talk about the first month of the? Why would Bamidbar talk about the second month of the second year and the Haloyzcha talk about the first month of the second year? Says Rashi, says Taisus, you know why? It's a big cover-up. It's a big, it's a big cover-up for Klai Yisrael. What's the cover-up? Parshas Bahal we talk about the fact that Klai Yisrael brought the carbon Pesach in the first month of the second year. Wait a second. Why did Klai Yisrael only bring a carbon Pesach one time throughout the 40 years, right? Look through the Chumash. How many times did Klai Yisrael offer a carbon Pesach in the Midbar? One time. That means 39 years they failed to offer the carbon Pesach. So therefore, we don't want to draw attention to the fact that Klai Yisrael did not bring a carbon Pesach for 39 years. So you know what we start by Midbar with? The second month. Then we go back, you know, people, right? You ever see uh, Parshas Bereshis, right? Everyone's Maver Sedra. already, you know, you lost half the people, right? Brachas, everyone's learning Daf Yoimi, right? Bashabas, Bamenucha, right? That's how it goes. <laughs> and then Arab, right? So Bamidbar, everyone's paying attention. Once you get to Bahaloyzcha, right, everyone's asleep, right? Everyone's asleep. So therefore, we put into Bahaloyzcha the fact that Klai Yisrael did not only brought the Karpesa one time. This way, nobody pays too much attention to it. Ask Rav Menachem Zemba, but why did Klai Yisrael only bring the Karpesa Pesach one time? He says a major Chiddush in the Sefer Zera Avram. Zera Avram is a Sefer written Rav Menachem Zemba in conjunction with Rav Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. They got together to write a little sefer called Zer Avram. Says Rav Menachem Zemba in the sefer, he's actually from, from Rav Avram Luftvir, who I don't know personally, he says the following. 
In the parsha of Carbon Pesach, it says, Vayikra Moshe Lechoziknei Yisrael. And the Mechilta says that means you need to establish a Bezdin to pronounce the month of Nisan. Nisan. So what do we see from there? That in order to bring a Carbon Pesach, you need to establish Nisan Alpiri'ia. And therefore, since Rabbeinu Hananel tells us that in the Midbar they were not able to establish the month through witnesses, but rather Alpi Cheshben, they're not able to bring a Karban Pesach. By the way, that would put to rest the whole, you know, you have a lot of people, they want to bring a Karban Pesach today. Well, could you do a Petumah? Could you not do a Petumah? According to this, it's all irrelevant, because if you don't have a Sanhedrin, you cannot pronounce the month of Nisan, uh, Mekudash. Okay. We move on. We move on. Yeah, Rabbi, say good? Yeah, you like the shir so far? So far, so good? <laughs> I'm just joking. People are, you know, a little tired tonight, right? <laughs> okay. We move on to another Indian in the Anani HaKavah. Targum Yonasem Benuzer, right? To give a shir on Parshas Chukas and not talk about the Paraduma, right? How could you do that? That wouldn't be good. People are going to go home. They're going to say, Kinan, the rabbi didn't even talk about the red cow, the red bull, right? You know about the red bull? You know that drink? Uh, Red Bull. You know the drink Red Bull, right? Yeah. Yeah, The owner of Red Bull, he passed away Shabbos Parshas Paraduma. It's true, true, right? It's true. Maisa Shahaya. Maisa Shahaya. What? I don't know. Okay. Back to the ranch. The Targum Yonasen Ben Uziel says the following. If anybody has a Chumash, it says like this. Has a Chumash, maybe? You have a chumash? Okay. The Pasuk says, Pasuk Gimel in Parshas Chukas, Unisatim Oysel Alazar HaKoyen, you give the para to Alazar HaKoyen, Mahoitziyo Oysel Michutza Machna, he takes it outside, Bishachad Oysel Lefanov, and you shecht it before him. Listen to this Rashi. If you think about this Rashi, is one of the most Mysterious Rashi's in the entire Chumash. The Shachad Oysa Lefanov. Yishecht the Para Aduma in front of Elazar. Says Rashi, Zar Shaychet. What's a Zar? Yisrael. Yisrael Shechted. Ve'Elazar Roya. Elazar watches. What's this all about? Elazar is a Mashkiach all of a sudden. If you, if Yisrael is allowed to Shecht a carbon. You don't need, you don't need mashkichim, right? You don't need hashkacha. And yet, now normally, if you want to talk about a mashkiach, you say, oimed al-gabav. And here it says, zor shaychet, right? The Yisrael shaych said, ve'elazaroyah. Elazar is looking. What's he looking at? You know, stop looking. You ever see, you're in the middle of doing something, someone's staring at you. You know, mind your own business. You're getting me nervous. So what's, what's going on over here? Zor shaychet. Elazaraya, what's Elazar looking at? It should say Elazar Oimid al Gabav. And since when do you need a Mashkiach who's a Kohen? Right? Then it's a new a new Khumra in Kashras, right? That's the next thing you'll hear. Right? You can't eat in this store because a Mashkiach's not a Kohen. You can just imagine. <laughs> so what's going on? Zar Shaikhit, the Elazaraya. Even more strange, the Targum Yonasan ben Uziel says, like this. That the Sidnun Yasel Azar Sagan Kana, you give it to Elazar assistant Kain. The Hantak Yasel Khaida, he takes it out by himself, Lamibar Lamashvisa outside the camp. The Sadar Khazar Khazar La Sidure Kissim de Tainaya, he surrounds the cow with wood from a fig tree. Okay, that's a whole story in and of itself. The Khahano Ikharan Yikos Yasa Kadamai Bisrain Simanaya, a Kain then comes. Shachzit, the Yivdekina Bismane Srei Trifan, and you check. The offering for the 18 shreifos, which means it is a, a animal could have 18 possible shreifos that are wrong with the animal. It could have a hole over here, a hole over there, a hole, right? You check 18 points, right? Uh, like the car, 18 uh, spot inspection, what is it called? 18 point inspection. 18 point inspection. You have to check the paradum 18 point inspection. What's going on? Erez. You check when you shecht an animal, you check it for trephus? Say no. <laughs> huh? You only check the lungs, right? You check the lungs for a sircha. You don't check an animal for 18 points. Yeah, you, well, why not? 
for for pay. Why don't you check? You rely on roiv, rely on roiv. Roiv animals are not. So what's the Targum Yonisam and Uziel saying that you got to check the Paraduma for eighteen trefos? Okay, we come to something amazing. There's a brisa called brisa de Malachis Hamishkan. Okay, we're gonna be a little bit. Give me some time. The brisa says the following. Reb Shimon ben Yosi Oimer. Look at number 16. Kol arboim shana shahoyu yisro ba'amidbar lo'initzrech echad mayhem lo'i lo'orachama b'yoyim v'lo'i lo'orhalavana b'layla. The 40 years B'nai Yisrael were in the Midbar, they didn't need sunlight during the day, they didn't need moonlight at night. So how they know when it was the day and the night? Says the Medrash, Elahedim hoyu yoydim shashakachama When the clouds turned red, they knew the sun was setting. Hilbin hoyu yoydim shazarchachama When it turned white, they knew it was rising. Says the Brisa. So how did they see? The cloud of glory emanated so much light that they had X-ray vision, like Superman. They could see into a barrel and know what was inside. They could look into earthen weir and know what was inside. How? Because of the clouds of glory. Says the Medrash, the Brisa, we will get that light back. How do we know? How else do we know? Sefer Yeshaya tells us, we won't need the sun when Mashiach comes. We won't need the moon. The clouds of glory will provide the light. And it says further in Yeshaya. Right, Yeshaya, you're a big star tonight. It says further in Yeshaya. This is, by the way, a pasuk you say when you menachem avel on Shabbos, you see an avel, you say this pasuk from Yeshaya. In any event, the Brisa, the Malachas HaMishkan is saying that the Anani HaKavay provided such powerful light that they could look right through the walls. They could look in a barrel, know what's inside. Look in earthenware, know what's inside. They don't need the sun, they don't need the moon. By the way, this Brisa is quoted by Taisvis in Masech the Shabbos, where Taisvis says on the Gemara on Shabbos, it says, why they light the menorah? They didn't need the light of the menorah. They had the Anani HaKavay that emanated light wherever they went. Oh, you know why they had the menorah? As a demonstration that the Shekhinah rested in Klal Yisrael. Because they didn't need it for the light. Why not? They had Anani HaKavay. Says the Arachayim HaKadosh in Parshas Emar, that's why right after you read about all the Yom and Taivim, you read about the Yom Tifav Sukkis, and then you read about the Halakas HaMenorah. What's the connection between the Sukkah and Halakas HaMenorah? Says the Arachayim HaKadosh. Why do we sit in the Sukkah to commemorate Anani HaKavod? Oh, we had Anani HaKavod that emanated light. So then why do we have a Mitzvah Menorah? That must be, we're not lighting the menorah for light, we're just lighting the menorah to demonstrate that God rests among the Jewish people. In other words, we have all these sources, the Brisa, Taisvis, Anane HaKavod emanated such great light, they were able to see through brick walls, see through the barrel, see through the container. You mean please explain. What? Please explain what you mean. That means, you know... Huh. I don't get it. Like when you go over to your friend, you say, can I borrow $100? So you say, I don't have it. So you say, what are you talking about? I see in your pocket. You have $100 in your wallet. Right? They are not covered. Yeah, they could see through things. Dangerous, right? You could, you could, could get you very nervous. Right? Oh, by the way, who else had that? Who could see from one end of the world to the next? The Gemara Nida says, Vlad b'me'imoy, ner doluk al-roishoy, a child in his mother's womb could see from one end of the world to the other. Says the Panam Yafais and Pashas Pakude. What do you see from there? That the light of God has no boundaries. Could see right through things. How could the child see from one end of the world to the other? He's in there in his mother's womb. The mother's in the, the, in the room, which is in a building, which is blocked by... How could he see? This type of light, the light of the Shekhinah, has no boundaries. Says Rav Sholmei Amsterdam, yeah, new name, you got that? New name, Rav Sholmei Amsterdam. He was also Nifter the same year as Rav Pinchas Mikaritzer, 1791. That is what the Targum Yonasan Ben Uziel means, that the, the Yisrael Shechts and Elazar sees. What do you mean sees? 
He's the mashkiach? No, he's not the mashkiach. You don't need a mashkiach. He's checking to make sure there's no tray from the animal. What do you mean checking? You don't have to check. Yeah, you do have to check. You know why you have to check? What's the reason we don't check animals for trefa? We rely on a roiv that they're probably not a trefa. But that's only because we can't be mevarer, we can't clarify before we shech. But what if you could look at an animal and see what's doing on the inside? Then of course you're obligated to check the animal for trefa. Therefore, Targum Yonis and Menuziel says, Zar shaychet. He's not doing hashkacha. He's checking the animal for trefa because when you're able to check, you're required to check. Says Marel Diskin. In Parshas Vayakel, we know how many machos are you now to do on Shabbos? Right? 39. 39. In Parshas Vayakel, the Torah only enumerates one of them. Which one? So the, the obvious question is, you have 39 melachas. Why is the Torah picking on Loisavaru? Says Rabbi Shul Leib Diskin, what are we not allowed to do on Shabbos? The melachas that are necessary to build the Mishkan. There's one melacha that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos, even though it's not needed to build the Mishkan. Which, which melacha is that? Lighting a fire. What do you mean? You don't need a, a fire to, to build the Mishkan? How are you supposed to see at night? Oh, how are you supposed to see? They didn't need candles to see at night. They saw with the Anani covered. So the one malacha that they never needed in the Mishkan was lighting a candle. So you might think you're allowed to light a fire on Shabbos. Says of Shuleib Diskin, therefore the Torah especially picks out like Sevaru, Eish, Bechoma, Shvaisechem, Biyayma Shabbos. Well, oh, even though the Ramam says you need fire for Bishol. But the malachas you now do on Shabbos are those malachas needed to build the Mishkan, not in the everyday ceremonial procedures of the Mishkan. The malachas Mishkan, not only to build the Mishkan, but also to fire the Mishkan, but but you don't need fire for that. You only need fire for Karbonos. Karbonos is not part of the Binyan Mishkan. Look, the Rav Shulev addresses that in, in number 22. Okay. One added thing. There's a Pasuk in Parashas Yisro that... Yisro tells Moshe, Vishaftu es ha'am b'chaleis. You'll judge the people at all times. What do you mean you'll judge the people at all times? We know, anyone who ever learned Chosh and Mishpat would know that you're only allowed to judge cases during the day. You're not allowed to judge cases at night. Says the Mesha Chachma. If you remember when you learned Chosh and Mishpat, the famous Sma, the Sma says if you turn on the lights, you're allowed to judge cases at night. Says the Meshach Achma, since you had Anani covered, and the light was shining at all times, that's what Yisroi means, the Shaftu es ha'am b'chaleis. Okay. Abayisai, why did we have Anani covered in the Zchos of Aaron HaKoyen? So for learning that the Anani covered is what provided a ner for Klai Yisrael, a light for Klai Yisrael at all times. And the Gemara and Shabbos tells us what is the function of the ner, what is the function of light in a house. Why do we light the Shabbos candles? For Shalom Bayis, right? Because what's going to happen? If you don't have light in the house, you're going to trip over something, you know, your kid left on the floor, and you're going to blame it on your wife, and it's going to be who knows what's going to happen, right? You're going to get into a big fight. So candles take care of all fights, right? The Gemara says, the reason we light Ner Shabbos is to avoid fights. It's to promote Sholem Bayis. Rash, the Gemara says, if you have a choice between Shabbos candles and other mitzvahs, Shabbos candles takes precedence because of Sholem Bayis. Rashi in a number of places writes, when people, when people sit in the dark, they're bizarre, they're angry, they're upset, they get agitated, they're irritated. Light makes you happy, right? Like the Pasuk said, Vayar, like, Vayar Hashem Asa'ar Kitoiv. Light is a happy thing. So therefore, perhaps, Aaron HaKoyen, who was Oyev Shalom, Feroidev Shalom, the function of Aaron was to promote peace in Klai Yisrael. In his merit, what do we have? We have the great light of the Anane HaKovod, the great Shalom, the great R that the Anane HaKovod provided. We'll end in the following way. The end of Parshas Pekudeh, it says that the Anani HaKavod appeared to the eyes of all of Klai Yisrael. What is that supposed to mean? As opposed to what? As opposed to what? As opposed to the eyes of some of Klai Yisrael? Some people here. <clears throat> Very interesting. The Vilna Goyen tells us 
that after the Chet Egal, Moshe Rabbeinu makes the following plea with Hashem. V'neflinu ani v'yamcha. We want to be distinguished. Neged kol amcha esa nifla'ois. What was Moshe Rabbeinu asking for? Says the Vilna Gain. The greatest Hatzlacha, the greatest success a person could have is if he knows that God is with him. Right? What could be better? Imagine you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you get a message that's written in the heavens. It says, you know, Dear uh, Pliny, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're on my side. Whatever you do, I'll be with you. Love Hashem. Right? That, would be, that would be nice. That would be very nice. If you knew Hashem was together with you, that would be the greatest possible benefit. That's what the Anani covered were. As much as possible, we can't see Hashem in this world. But the greatest, the closest we've ever come to seeing Hashem was seeing the Anani HaKavad. Now when did we first see the Anani HaKavad? When we left Mitzrayim, says the Vilna Gain, we had Anani HaKavad, but not everyone saw it. Only the Nevi'im saw it. But then when the Anani HaKavad rested on the Mishkan after the Tefillah of Moshe, Le'enei Kol Yisrael, this was the pinnacle of the success of Klai. We say, and the, the Navi Yeshaya tells us, Ki ayin biayin yiru b'shuv Hashem tziyayin. We will see with our own eyes that God will return to Sion, to Yerushalayim. What does that mean, we'll see with our own eyes? You can't see Hashem, right? What will we see? Says the Vilna Gain, we will see the return of the Anani The all This is the closest that a human being can come to seeing Hashem. Ki ayin biayin yiru this is what we're anticipating. This is what we're hoping for. And based on this Vilna Gai, now we understand. We say every day in davening, you've probably said it thousands of times without having any idea what it means. God, illuminate Yerushalayim with a new light. What's the light? Well, a flashlight, you know. Hashem, you know, we're waiting for the flashlight to shine on Yerushalayim. What are we davening for? Says the Vilna Gain, based on the Vilna Gain, we are davening for the return of the Anani HaKavad. The Anani HaKavad was the great light with which Kla Yisrael experienced the divine presence of the Rebbe This was all in the source of Aaron HaKain. Thank you for coming. Thank you.